0: From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, with your host, Rob Snowitt.
1: All right, well, another year has come and gone in the life and times of the Fly Fishing Consultant. Let's go back and review 2012. started off guiding on the first weekend of January, and it was a very mild winter. I think we had maybe one inch of dc snow the entire winter so one inch we fished four mile run mostly the bridges and got into bass and golden shiners we got into crappy and all sorts of stuff and it was pretty pretty constant fishing as the mild winter progressed into spring the shad run started early It was so early that uh, by St. Patrick's Day, I think all the gizzard shad had already spawned in the Potomac. I went down there probably around St. Patrick's Day and the water on the Potomac at Chain Bridge was just crystal clear, about seven, eight foot visibility. And the herring were just schooling all around. So the fish came in early because they spawned based on water temperatures. And because it was such a mild winter, and there wasn't a whole lot of precipitation. The water was low, clear, and warm. So I kind of canceled the winter fishing at four mile run fairly early. Normally we would you know, go a little later than second week of March at four mile. But I, I called it and we started fishing for shad right away. And I had clients from you know, DC metro area. I had some from California all come in. And some days were phenomenal. Some days were pretty dry because, you know, you can't guarantee someone's always going to catch a fish, especially with the shad run. Some days there just are no fish in the river based on whatever f- <clears throat> factors, may it be the temperature, of the water, or the cloud cover. I had a client and his daughter out one day and there were no fish. We fished for like five or six hours and finally a school of uh, bottom feeding, you know, you'd call them suckers most likely, came up and the eight-year-old girl just worked over them all afternoon with a um, size 10 copper John and a five weight. And she finally caught one about 14 inches long. And I'm mean, telling you, there's there's not many kids that are or adults that are that persistent to catch a fish. And you, you come back the next day. That was a Saturday. and On Sunday, the river, I mean, you were stepping on them. It's like one day they're not there. And the next, the water's black. And people are pulling out herring with their bare hands. And the feeder creaks. It was just bizarre. And then, you know, we did the cherry blossoms and I had the baby in my backpack. That was about the end of March, first week of April. And cherry blossoms were absolutely beautiful this year. And and try fishing during that time. It's kind of difficult because there's so many people in the tidal basin, but it's loaded with fish and there are stripers and largemouth eating shad and hickories, Americans, gizzards and white perch and alewives and herring. So it's your opportunity to catch some really big fish. And the strange thing was, the snakeheads were also there early. Normally, you don't see them until the end of April, early May. They were there in March. Like I said, the water was so low, places that we were fishing last year were completely dry. So it was, it was a pretty strange spring. We um, didn't really catch any gizzards. It was mostly hickories and Americans. And when you swing a fly in that current, you know when you get them because they will absolutely slam a fly. And there were some days where you could catch a perch on every single cast, and some of these perch are up to ten inches. And you know, we we had fun. It was a good spring run. It um, it got hot, and and we were out there in shorts. Some people were wearing flip flops, standing in the shallows, and you know, there were just some days that were spot on, and some days that weren't. From there, it turned into spring. Well, I guess we did the winter fishing um, circuit of fishing shows. I had to miss a couple because as you know, I did some traveling with the wife. I went out to Australia in the month of May. And that was not really a fishing trip. That was more of just go experience a little bit of Australia and hang out with the baby while my wife was in conferences. And the lake in Canberra was closed due to a massive algae bloom. So it was technically toxic and they wouldn't let you really near the lake. So I didn't get any fishing done in Australia. So that kind of sucked, which is a pretty far way to travel with a couple of fly rods and some fly boxes and, and all your gear and, and hope that you're going to catch something and pretty much get skunked. I can't remember if it was before or after the, the trip down there that I had a full day float on Pohick Bay and one on the Rappahannock. And this year's theme was more tidal. I want to focus my fishing on snakeheads. So this year was no above chain bridge on the Potomac. There was no Point of Rocks. There was no Harper's... Well, I guess not... I don't fish Harper's Ferry. There was no Algonquin Park. There was no Riverbend Park. There was no Scott's Run. It was all the tidal section where the snakeheads are. So we did floats in Pohick and got into some largemouth. And the day we did the Rappahannock, it's weird. You know, you fish in the Potomac all the time and you, you want to throw 20-pound tippet because you never know when you're going to get a snakehead. But they're not there yet in the Rappahannock. So... You'll be prepared for some gar and some big catfish that come up. But we slammed stripers and shad and herring all day from the drift boat. And having always been a guy that wade-fished the flats in Fredericksburg, it was pretty cool to be out there in my drift boat. We put in at the public docks and zoomed our way up and fished and then fished our way back down. Definitely want to do that again this year because um, it was a blast. And then in May, we also got into some monster cats, some huge channel cats, and we you know, lost a couple. Some of them would break 20-pound tippet, you know, and we don't know what those fish were. That's the thing about the Potomac. It's like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. Because when you're fishing, it could be American shad, hickory shad, gizzard shad, white perch, yellow perch, long Nose gar, lamprey, eel, sturgeon, redfish, tilapia, largemouth, smallmouth, striped bass american uh i mean you, you don't know so we were hooking these fish in roaches run on sing tips and popsicle flies and you could honestly hear the graphite vibrating in the five weight rods because there was so much pressure put on them and in one night we lost about three or four of these fish and we never got to see what they were we did land one catfish that night you know, my client thumbed it you know in the mouth it, it took off the top of his thumbnail with its teeth that shows you that catfish do have teeth, and, and they're pretty feisty. And the shad run sort of tapered off with a um, big influx of, of perch and herring. and We started getting into gar around Memorial Day weekend. Miles and I took the drift boat out, and we found a nice spot on the Occoquan where the gar were hanging out. We saw a couple of large snakeheads there, and that really determined that I wanted to fish Occoquan more than Pohick Bay. It's a little closer, a little easier to get to. And I kind of like the, the structure of it a little bit better. And the tides are a little easier for me to move around my drift boat. So we got into some some gar. We started working on a documentary that's going to be in the Fly Fishing Film Tour in 2013. So we went out and I actually caught a gar on film. I don't think that's going to make it in to the film because that was sort of early on in the filming. And I don't think it really goes with the theme of the movie. We'll see. So we took a lot of clients out of the Occoquan what went from a mild winter turned into a brutally hot summer of 102, 103 days with very little thunderstorms to cool things off. We did really well for large and smallmouth bass around the tidal Potomac in and around D.C. Didn't do a whole lot of um, trips out to rest in this year either. You know, my client MJ and I went out and we caught uh, you know some, some bluegill in the one pound plus range, which was pretty awesome. But the bass in and just weren't big enough or aggressive enough that I really wanted to to drive the boat out there and have clients meet me there. It was more focusing on the, the tidal section and, and wet wading around roaches and gravelly and four-mile run, and then the boats lower down. And then it was uh, maybe August that I had the client call me, Brian from Portland, and he wanted to go out after a local conference he had here, and that was the day we caught the snakehead so that was pretty awesome my first client ever to catch a snakehead i had also caught a snakehead this summer when i was fishing in roaches run so definitely know that um i can't take my boat back there because of federal regulations of me being a guide and not having my captain's license which i decided to abandon by the way after all the paperwork and blood tests and drug tests and interviews and all the red tape of getting a a, a captain's license They considered all the time I'd been in my boat in the last year and a half to be eight service days, and they wanted 365 service days in my boat. So at that rate, it would take me like 20 years because I'm also a dad and I don't work seven days a week out of my boat like I did years past.
0: Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out midwayusa.com.
1: So I just said, screw it, I'm, I'm done with the captain's license. Don't really want to take my drift boat out on the main stem of the Potomac anyway. And it was sometime, you know, it was that client Brian who suggested those rubber wormy flies. And I was like, no, dude, I'm never going to fish one of those. That's just a shameful. It's like a rubber San Juan. And then I started thinking about it and did some research and ordered some material and then had an epiphany in the craft store and started tying my own wormies. And all of a sudden, you know, my job is, is to teach people to fly fish and put them on fish. And a lot of my clients don't care. if we're matching the hatch or it's a specific dry fly or wet fly or streamer most of them just want to catch fish so these rubber wormies it was the first day i went out these fish had never seen these before and it was every cast you were pulling in a bass a catfish a bluegill along your sunfish and we pretty much dominated the fish in four mile run august september october november on these rubber worms and i was tying them up by the dozen at a time and then it was time to go steelhead fishing for the fall. And it was pretty strange. You know, before I went steelhead fishing, we started getting into stripers and four mile run, which had never happened before. I'd always heard about it, but never got into them. And there's all sorts of crap we pulled out of four mile runs. The second part of this podcast is going to be about what we've lost and found in this year. So when steelhead fishing, you heard about that one, we had the hurricane and no one in the trip. Jason hooked up a lot. I maybe hooked up once or twice. Rebecca didn't hook up at all. And then, Trent, Dalton, and Khalil didn't really get into anything either. So it's like six or seven of us on a trip with a hurricane coming. It was a total bust. Come back, continue guiding. And fall just, it was a beautiful time this year. It, it wasn't really cold. Didn't really have any major frost. The leaves were beautiful. And fall turned to winter. And I found myself prepping for my steelhead trip to Ohio, where I am now. And if you listen to the last podcast, you know, that was a total bust. So we're going to see how 2013 turns out. Is it going to be a, another mild winter? Are we going to get into some carp this year? Will uh, the 35 fly patterns I submitted to a certain company maybe get picked up and sold at fly shops? How, how's my business going to expand in the next year? We're going to have to see. Is there other competition coming to D.C.? Will there be other guides? As of now, I'm the only local D.C. fly fishing guide. In 2013, I'm going to have some more travel opportunities. My wife's got travel to Korea, maybe France, maybe Hawaii again. So will I be babysitting the baby lady with her in the backpack fishing, or will I get a chance to go out and have some adventures while there? Who knows what next year we'll have in store, but I can guarantee it's another year. We're going to learn more about the snakeheads and how to fish for them. We're going to start working on some merchandise for myself and who knows? So let's see what happens in the next year. So let's uh, move on with you know how 2012 ended out. And you can see all the pictures on the blogs from this past year. They're on my Picasso site. You can just go and click my website under pictures on the left-hand bar. It should be blog three and a four. So this is in somewhat alphabetical order. I've been acquiring this list throughout the year, so I don't really remember where everything was found or not. But we found a dollar bill floating in Four Mile Run, we also saw a dead raccoon float by that day, but luckily we didn't touch it. One fingertipless glove. At Chain Bridge, we found two jumbo jalapenos. A minimum of five soccer balls were pulled out of four-mile run. A couple of those I've kept and given to my nephews. We found some action figures, including muscle men. We found one that was like this alien Heisman trophy guy. We found a pair of aqua socks. Numerous baseballs, golf balls, softballs, and playground balls. And the amount of golf balls in four-mile run after Hurricane Sandy is just beyond belief. There are more golf balls in that mile stretch now than there ever were. Barbecue tongs, a beaded bracelet, a gigantic big spoon, bikes. One was brand new. Of course, we found plenty of old ones. A full bottle of Heineken. I also found a full can of Modelo Especial, which I actually drank that morning because I was so thirsty. I found a camouflage belt. On Home's Run, we found a coconut. And then did I mention in past podcast? this probably could go on the last one, but there was a Santeria sacrifice on Home's Run, which had like five or six dead headless chickens and a guinea fowl with money and chocolate cake and all sorts of just creepy, bloody, weird, freaky stuff. That was pretty freaky. Uh, catfish rod holder. A coral necklace. Numerous credit cards, bank cards, AAA cards, George Mason University, student ID cards, some Virginia driver's licenses, a Macy's charge card. And I guess people are dumping wallets after they steal the cash because there's always these plastic cards in the stream while we're fishing. Several pairs of Crocs. Several shirts. I don't know how you lose your shirt when you're outside. Several broken spinning rods a pair of Husky brand pliers, a Dirt Devil vacuum cleaner, one plastic Elmo phone, several flip-flops, giant ceramic altar thing that was at Gravelly Point. It was like a two-foot-tall Buddha statue altar thing that was broken into like six pieces. Found a grill brush. Found some grill tongs. Found a hard helmet floating in the Sino Canal. Found some little Krishna statues. Found a leather belt, a lot of socks. I don't know why there's so many socks out and about. Lures, crankbaits, and worms, and all sorts of other people's fishing gear, which I usually collect and try to sell on Craigslist for beer money. And I can't ever sell these. These are like brand new Rapalas, they're like five bucks each. So at the last Tidal Potomac Fly Rodders beer tie, I put them all up for raffle, and hopefully somebody got them. I found an oyster shucking knife, a can of refried beans with chorizo inside. I already mentioned the Santeria sacrifice. I found a silver sled. When I was fishing, when I left Matt, there were four sleds in the road. I guess they had blown out of someone's truck also when we were fishing. I found some Snooky style sunglasses. Found uh, a spinning rod with reel and line still on it. Found a suitcase. A sun visor. Two giant super soaker water guns. Tennis plane smurf. A toy lassie dog. White sneakers. And it wouldn't be necklace. And there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that we lost this year. Uh, flies, 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 There were some days out on Chain Bridge that we were losing, you know, a dozen flies in a day per client. It was very frustrating, but, you know, that's part of just being a uh, fly fishing guys. you're going to go through a lot of flies. And I enjoy tying them, so it's you know I don't really get too upset. And I lost uh, another pair of those pitchfork nail clippers. They're twenty two dollars. They're sold by Fish Pond, so I have definitely gone back to nail clippers for cutting fly line. And I also lost a pair of my favorite hemostats and the top of my pseudo digital Boga grips on a hundred and four degree day that was supposed to be ninety five, and I almost passed out from heat exhaustion and collapsed on a lump of grass on the side of four mile run and, and thought I was going to die. And it turns out when I collapsed myself, a bunch of my gear had fallen off. So that sums up the lost and found of 2012. Uh, not the best podcast by all means, but maybe you were driving to the grocery store and you just needed something to listen to. And if nothing else, it helps me, uh, solidify and, and put into stone or digitally the year in review and, uh, what I do for a living. So thanks for downloading Don't know what the next podcast is going to be about. We're just going to have to see what 2013 brings us. Jason, Merry New Year, as Eddie Murphy said in Coming to America. No, not Coming to America, Trading Places. All right, Jason, take it away. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more
0: information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. by man don't miss wild country Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern presented by Primos speak the language Waypoint TV the destination for outdoor entertainment don't miss Mondays with into the blue brought to you by Academy Sports and outdoors every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV the destination for outdoor entertainment I'm Will Cooper